Hello, everybody. How's my favorite service? We, uh, I, I tell you, we always reserve very special gifts for our third service because you're the servants. You leave seats open for first and second because they're always packed. I mean, seriously, they're in the overflow room with a 30-second delay, and they don't realize you can have front row uh, third service. And, you know, it's, it's like first class. The, yeah. So thank you, everybody. Bless you guys. I, um, I have a gift for you, um, and that's... Uh, this service has a distinct privilege of having in attendance one of the bravest human beings. Um, I'm going to have her come up in just a second. I think she, I, but I'll introduce her. But I, I wanted to say that um, I was inspired by her and then uh, empowered by Rick and Tammy Brown uh, to now incorporate a new mask whenever I travel. I want to show you my new mask. That... Is that working for you? So the, the county, and hello to the county, uh, they have been out here taking copious notes, and um, don't you have anything better to do? And are you going to come to our house at Thanksgiving too? We're just wondering, because we're all getting a little tired of it, and um, maybe, maybe the county could go inspect Dr. Levin's winery, we're just wondering. <laughs> Maybe the county could look at the judge's order that says that the governor's out of control. Maybe the county could do that. Seriously, um, we didn't elect you to infringe on our inalienable rights. You, you, you have been sworn to protect them, and now you're infringing on them. Write your copious notes, do whatever you got to do, but... We're not in disobedience to the law. We're in obedience to the law. You are the ones who are violating the law of the Constitution you swore to defend. Now, with that being said, now that I've welcomed our county officials, seriously, they, they tune in, and, and I, I, I hope they listen, because it'll really inspire and maybe change your heart, you know? But... Um, we are blessed because uh, Peggy Hall is here. Where's Peggy? She, she said she was here. Peggy, come here. Come on up. For those of you, yeah. For those of you who don't know Peggy Hall, she is, um, I'm not calling you a dog, but she's a pit bull for Jesus. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pastor Rob. Yeah. Oh, it is so wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces, and I've been here to this church before. We had a wonderful um, interview about a month ago or so, and I'm so grateful, and I tune into that fireside chat, and uh, Pastor Rob says, it's so awesome, but we don't have a fire. <laughs> we have the fireside chat, but it's the fire in your heart. That was the song that was... That they led off with today. And I just want to say how wonderful this community is. I have so many of you uh, that are healthy Americans. And I was so disturbed to hear that the uh, Simi Valley was told that they are supposed to prevent you from shopping in a store if you're wearing a mask. In fact, it said that you were supposed to be removed. That's called kidnapping. All right. And so, as Pastor Rob said, these very people that um, are our public servants, they are supposed to serve us like we serve God, they are actually violating our God given rights. 
The Constitution doesn't give us rights. The Constitution was created to protect the government, those public servants, from infringing on your inalienable rights, sometimes pronounced unalienable. So uh, unalienable, inalienable means nothing comes before that. No law, no matter how good you might think it is, good ideas are not the same as a law. You know that. And the most important thing that you're doing right now is connection, is staying connected, staying connected with each other in fellowship, staying connected to the Lord, praying for your strength and resilience. And I want to put out a very um, heartfelt invitation. I have two things I'd like to invite you to do. One, if you are a small business owner or you know of a small business or a church like this one that has remained open that welcomes everyone, mask or no mask, it should be a choice. I had a wonderful interaction with a lovely uh, lady who owns a small boutique. She has an immune system issue and she served me outside. It couldn't have been nicer. That's how it should be. Individuals choosing their own uh, way of, of conducting commerce, not something that's imposed upon us. Please let me know. Email me at Peggy at thehealthyamerican.org. We're creating a nationwide list of businesses that are going to respect your God-given rights. So please let me know. Uh, and this is going to be free for those who own the business. There will be a small fee just to keep out the riffraff because we don't want there to be any boomerang effect, but we want to support you. The small businesses, just like the churches, are the, the very backbone, the very heartbeat of our community. And destroying the small businesses is going to destroy our way of life. And I'm not, for one, I'm not going to stand for it. I know you aren't either. And the second thing is you spoke about um, the invitation. We are inviting the governor to join us for California's largest Thanksgiving Day feast. Yeah. You all are welcome. We actually are still looking for the location. It will be somewhere in Southern California, so perhaps in your uh, neck of the woods. You can join me at thehealthyamerican.org. I'm so grateful and humbled that God has called me to do this work. I have been a teacher, an educator, an activist in the health and wellness arena for 20, 30 years. And right now, all of that is coming together. And I could not do it without your prayers. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Please stay connected. I'm so grateful for Pastor Rob. God bless you. God bless America. Bless you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bless you. I, I saw her out in the foyer, and I'm like, that lady's got to talk. We got to... Seriously, um, with a, an understanding of the law and your rights, which we have been kept from, uh, when, when Peggy shares that, it's, it's, it's as though you're dusting off these old books and, and realizing, wait a minute, they're out of line. They, they're telling us, they shut us down during our Holy Week, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. They, they deliberately shut us down at that moment. Now we're coming into Thanksgiving, which is one of the most critical celebrations in America of giving thanks to God, and they're telling us that we can't gather. Uh, and, you know, you can have 50 people at a funeral, but I think you can't have more than three, I don't know what it was. It's just ridiculous. I'm so, as everyone's been saying, we're going to be uh, having a funeral uh, for my pet turkey that died. <laughs> yeah. So... so um, I was, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, some of you may or may not have seen it. I was in Washington, D.C., part of the, the march. 
And, and serendipitously, I ended up there uh, invited to speak at the Council for National Policy. I didn't realize I'd been invited because I, I never read my emails. And that's true, I don't. I just don't read emails. And if you send me an email and you're wondering, why didn't you get back to me? I just told you why. I don't read emails. How do we get in touch with you? Write me a letter. It's, it's pen, ink. Just write me a letter. Well, it takes forever. Yeah, good. I have a little thing I like to call a life. So... Uh, but, you know, I, I, some folks read my emails and help me know if there's something urgent, and I do my best. But this Council for National Policy, they said, we haven't heard from you. I said, well, how did you get in touch with me? They said, email. I said, that's a problem. And then um, they said, would you come and speak? I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to, because I, I love Congressman McHugh, and he's the president of CNP. And so I uh, went out, and I spoke on a Friday, and I had a chance to... Uh, Pompeo was there. Uh, Vice President Pence was there. It was a great lineup of speakers. It was amazing, a great time. And, um, you know, there's, you can sense the tension in Washington. It's just, it's insane. And then Saturday serendipitously opened up that I didn't have any obligations. My flight wasn't until 5 o'clock that evening. And they were doing the, the march. So uh, someone gave us a ride down there because I had no idea how to get from McLean, Virginia, out at Tyson's Corner to the, the Capitol. And they drove us in because they lived there. And we got dropped off. And I, I could take the metro back. And, and we started on the the ancillary streets and as we started to come in on these streams seeing people from all areas and coming in on these streams we then get into the river and the river is just a mass of people and I've never seen anything in all my life 56 years I've never seen this many people I've never been in a crowd that big and they said it was 10,000 I've been in crowds at 10,000 I don't, I don't know first of all there was no press there so whatever they're reporting they're lying because they weren't there secondly 10,000 people uh, I think they sent a blind reporter but if you just look at the, the pictures and you, you just calculate based on, you know, uh, how the Park Service and everyone else calculates it, and you just see this stream going and going and going, million, uh, over a million people. It was fascinating. And, and they were marching quietly, respectfully, thanking the officers. No buildings were burning. No businesses were being looted. No glass was broken. No lives were endangered. It was respectful. And here, when it says in our First Amendment that we have the freedom of religion and we have the freedom of the press and the freedom of speech and the freedom to peaceably assemble for right of redress of grievances against the government, the press has bought into the narrative, the pulpits are silent, the people feel as though they've lost their voice, and so they are peacefully protesting. That's a peaceful protest. And while these Americans from every race, creed, color, socioeconomic status, from every state in the union we're quietly and, and joyfully marching down Pennsylvania Avenue. Off to the side, they were sequestered, these wildlings that they were waiting to unleash. These Antifa, and you could see as we were driving around the city, they'd look at you and they were in beaten up old cars and they were, they were ready to spill blood. And as I saw them, I saw the sneer and the evil and the anger and just waiting for an opportunity these brave Americans, at great expense to themselves, whose voices have been silenced, they have been placed in, in a sequestered, censored environment with a media that has now removed the declaration that he's the president of the United States, now he's a candidate. They have elevated another one as president-elect, though no election has been certified they have censored and silenced. I don't even watch it anymore. I've, I've completely turned it off. And we're, we're led to believe this at every turn. And, and millions of people gathered and said, I don't buy a word of it. 
Not one word. And as these silent deplorables marched in peaceful protest, the world ignored them. But I saw them. I was part of it. It was historic. And then I had to go catch my flight, so I had to take the metro back and get my ride. I'm in the metro, and I could sense the tension as people were waiting in the metro for that moment to strike. Uniquely placed, all the exits. And then the videos have started to leak, if you've seen them, where they, they prey on the children and the families and the elderly. And as the, the group begins to dissipate, they wait in the fringes to attack the weak They beat an elderly man unconscious. They poured fluids on children and terrorized families. They're cowards. And we're led to believe that we're systemically racist. We're evil, though I marched with millions and no one hurt anyone. And then we see evil perpetrated and released upon innocence. And there was part of me that I was awash in a sea of confusion and frustration. And like you, I go through seasons of doubt. And I, I think, you know, I'm going to have to be here Sunday. And I, you have a, a live stream every night and folks are waiting to be encouraged. And I have to process this in my life before I can come before yours. And I just laid it out to the Lord and I, I really, I ask the question, has, has the sun set on America? Is, it, is, this, is this republic finished? Will we allow the most fundamental right to be stolen by deception and lies? Will America remain silent? I was in a room filled with conservatives that were listening to people talk that didn't seem to have encouragement. I, I did. And I left that room and then went into the, the march and, and my, my heart soared. These, these folks were fearless. They were civil. They were honest. They were moral and they're Americans. And they were Americans because of an idea. Because you couldn't label them by a color. It was a tapestry. And then I got on the plane. It's the only place I wear a mask because I won't be able to travel otherwise. That in court. Well, I wear it and I let everyone know I don't like it. I let them know how stupid it is. I said, you're throwing sand through a chain link fence. I've learned all that from doctors. Not what the media says. Doctors who have been silenced and ostracized and relegated to oblivion. They've lost their jobs. They've been censored. And, and all the while, even the burden is, is the churches have been silent. I'm wondering why every church in Ventura County isn't open. I don't, I don't understand at this point. I love my brothers. I, I love my, my fellow shepherds. But I, I, can, I can publicly state I don't know why they're not open. I don't know why. And I, my heart is heavy. There, there's deception upon the land 
We know the severity of the virus. They're now trying to silence our thanksgiving as they have attempted to ruin our holy week. They have declared the church non-essential. They're meeting in frigid temperatures outside. They're calculating the virus based on the number that have contracted it. We've never calculated a virus like that. They've gone away from hospitalizations and, and hospitals being overwhelmed and death rates, which have plummeted. And we're playing this game that somehow this governor has the right to infringe on our inalienable rights. And those that are supposed to stand upon freedom, those who declare a God that says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, they're silent. And my heart's heavy. And I'm, all this is flooding in my head as I'm on the plane and I finally fell asleep, thank God. And I woke. And then I, I thought, I have to transition from... No. Political advocate to pastor. Tomorrow's Sunday. Lord, what do you got? And as I was reading the scriptures approaching Los Angeles last night, the Lord put on my heart Ezekiel. I was so comforted. Now, it's a difficult passage, but it's comforting. It's comforting in a way that I'm sure you're not prepared for, but you will be. But you'll also be empowered. You'll also be encouraged. You're brave people. You're fearless. America needs you. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be in your presence. Oftentimes I think I'm going to just come to a church that's empty. But here in the most oppressed state in the union... You're fearless. You're amazing. And I'm blessed by all of you. So let's get into the word. If you have a Bible, open up to Ezekiel chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, these folks walking down will give you one. Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. And by the way, if you raise your hand for one of those Bibles and you don't have one, you're welcome to keep it. It's a gift. Hopefully after today's message, you'll come to cherish it as the greatest gift you've ever received. Second only to your relationship with the Lord, but He is the Word, so His Word is true. How comforting it is to be in a place where what is being shared from the Scripture itself is truth. In a world that no longer believes in truth. If that's true for you, that's good. It's, it's situational ethics. It's, it's this idea that truth is a moving scale. There's no moral absolutes. I always laugh at people who say that to me. I go, do you believe that absolutely? <laughs> we've relegated ourselves to stupidity. We've, we've, we've embraced indoctrination instead of education. We become lazy. And yet, before you is the word of God. It's true. Your life can be established on this. 
It, it can be so profound in a world that wants to enslave you. These words will set you free. These, these words conceive this nation. These words take you off the slave block of sin and gives you life and life more abundant. It conceives in you a new creature. One who's no longer afraid but empowered. But we go through trials in life. We go through times where there's lamentations, there's, there's fear. We wonder if the sun has set upon our nation. We get scared. People call me as their hope. I always get a kick out of that. I can tell when you say as their hope, I, I, I can tell you haven't been reading your Bible. You're a Christian that's starving. You haven't been feeding on the bread of life. You've been listening to the lies. It's crushed your hope. But as Christians, we all go through those seasons. I know I do, and I have to return to the food. I'm just one beggar showing the other beggars where the food is. Ezekiel struggled, and that's why the Lord ministered to me through this. We're going to begin in Ezekiel chapter 2. Would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? (laughs) Please. I'm going to pick up at verse 9. Ezekiel says, Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And then he spread it before me. And there was writing on the inside and on the outside. And written on it were lamentations and mourning. And woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. And then turn to Ezekiel 37 for one more reading, please. Ezekiel 37, verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, God, you know, it's a great answer, I have no idea, God, but you do. Drop down to verse 11. God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, cause you to come up from your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you. And you shall live, and I will, place in you, I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. God, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. Lord, though this is, as Ezekiel said, a bitter pill to swallow of lamentation, mourning, and woe, 
But when we are in agreement and we feed upon your word and we agree with you of the troubles, it then becomes sweet like honey. It ministers to us, Lord. These dry bones can live. Your spirit can come upon us. Lord, you created an awakening, a revival. You cause us to come alive. And Lord, where there's life and resurrection, there's hope. And God, please, so many are longing for hope. But faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Your word is true. We've been deceived. We've been lied to. The world has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And now we have become subject to that and enslaved by this deception. And Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And Lord, we come and we long for liberty. We come for freedom and we ask that you would speak to us and empower us. And so Lord, please bring life to these dry bones, these hopeless deplorables who wonder if this nation will live Help us, God. Awaken us. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that does bring us that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As I arrived at the Reagan International Airport to fly home, the sun was setting. The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west and as I looked in the direction to where the plane would be flying I noticed that the sun was setting the, the question remained on my heart is, is, that, is that something that you're speaking to me Lord is the sun set on this republic are we embracing socialism I'm watching as they're talking about who the administration heads are going to be and all that's taking place and I've been reading the man who's going to be taking over the COVID aspects, he, he doesn't believe you should live beyond 75, which that's the median age, I think, of death for COVID victims. It, it's dark. It's, and, and, and ushering us into a dark winter, it's all conceived in, in obscurity that his son is up there and he's under FBI investigation and we know all these things and, and, and the, the question marks. And, and, and I'm looking, I'm saying, God, why, why are those that, that declare your truth silent in the midst of this complete deception? Where are their voices? How did we get here? God, how, how have we been so deceived that this is actually something that we're going to allow ourselves to be suckered by? And then I reflected back on the millions marching and then getting the readout that I had left early and seeing these people being beaten. My, my anger welled up. Where are those that defend these helpless people, these elderly that are being knocked unconscious, these children that are being traumatized by these wildlings? And yet they're the bravest of all of us. And I, I, I looked at the sun setting and I like what Vishnu Magdawali said. Sunsets are spectacular. People revel in them. Sunsets also tell us it's time to light our lamps. 
and darkness is coming. You're going to need a lamp. You're going to need to guide your way through this darkness that's falling upon our land. They've exchanged the truth for a lie. The networks have embraced it. Social media has formulated it. They censor. People are being removed. They can't speak. They're, they're closing down all of our avenues. They tell us that we can only speak through live stream, and now they're going to censor that. They're preparing for a total shutdown. Who designed these things? How did we get to a place where secular progressives dominate the tech oligarchy and they have no conviction to them with the Machiavellian idea that that the end justifies the means, that we know better than you do and truth is irrelevant. It's, It's what we say you need to see. We will tell you what is right and acceptable. How did we get here? I was thinking of Mark Zuckerberg. They did a a movie on this 30-something-year-old. He said it wasn't accurate, but there was depictions of it that were interesting that as you follow up, you see that there is some validity. It was called The Social Network. Talked about him at Harvard, how these twins, he had stolen the idea and they sued. But the one thing that I like that Vishnu Magdawali points out is he says... The film's most pathetic character is Harvard University, represented by its committees and president. Zuckerberg, a law unto himself, shows total contempt for Harvard, its values and its rules. Yet the university cannot hold him accountable for anything. It retains absolutely no philosophical basis for invoking conscience or character. The film sends the message that now the university exists only to teach skills. Character has been excluded by the secular worldview. The best it can do is to teach you how to avoid the long arm of the law. Our universities no longer educate, they indoctrinate. They have exchanged the truth for a lie. They can teach you skills, but they don't provide character. How did this happen? These men and women who made fortunes, and I was speaking to many of them, and I said this to them as I say it to you, They made fortunes in a nation that has given liberty and freedom. They've understood capitalism. They've understood an honest handshake. They've understood how to operate where you don't pay bribes. And with the the wealth that they've amassed, they, they buy buildings and give money with unsecured contributions to these universities to allow themselves to have their name placed on a building for their ego, while those unsecured funds that came from the wealth that they generated by a nation that embraced liberty, they pay and give to this university for the sole purpose of having their name, they now allow that money to indoctrinate generations that believe the antithesis of that which they stand for. And they continue to feed that monster. It's pride. I was speaking to another couple. How can we leave our church? We've been with it since its inception. We helped build the building. It's, it's a, a mainstay in our community. And I said, it's real simple. You just leave. 
But can it be redeemed? Love hopes all things. That's between you and the Lord. But the question I ask you is, is it more comfortable to stay than it is to leave? And what are you doing to change it? Is it pride? Churches need to be on the forefront of declaring truth. Harvard got to where it is because we relegated the education of our children, and as parents, we're the stewards of their lives, but we relegated that education to a system that we don't even participate in that has indoctrinated all of them. They've taken over these schools of higher learning. We've given them our hard-earned money. And Harvard is now at a place where good luck finding anything that represents God. Their byproduct is Zuckerberg. The inception of Harvard in 1646, I think it was, and actually my wife's great, 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 great grandfather, Reverend Chauncey, all seven of his children became ministers. He was one of the founders of Harvard. He immigrated to this country. His whole purpose was to stand for the truth and the liberty that comes from a knowledge of Christ. Harvard was was conceived for the sole purpose of proclaiming God's word to be true. We're coming into Thanksgiving where the pilgrims with, with the Mayflower Compact, the very first political compact in the history of this nation, with the idea of, of, of forwarding the gospel, of standing upon the truths of God, that, that Squanto met the pilgrims in a winter where they were dying and he was educated and a believer on how to fertilize and save their lives and, and, and watching the, the, the birth. But now we've, we've let our schools embrace the 1619. When did that happen? Who, who was at that meeting? And yet, we let that happen. But when Harvard was conceived, these were the rules for Harvard. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies, to know God and Jesus, which is eternal life, and therefore lay Christ at the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning, and seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him, Proverbs 2.3. Everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein both in theological observations of language and logic and in practical spiritual truths as his tutor shall require according to his ability, seeing the entrance of the world giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. You see, universities like Harvard were institutions that produced leaders who built the greatest nation in the history of the world. They turned out graduates who were brilliant. Brilliant in abilities, but more importantly, and they had great character. The scripture says, how can a young man keep himself pure? Jesus overcame temptation by holding to the scriptures. It is written. He studied, he internalized it, he obeyed it. The word of God was his compass in determining what was right and wrong. He was the word. It shaped his character. It gave him the, the strength to refuse shortcuts. It enabled him to stand strong and refuse to sell his soul. It's the only thing 
that he used to defend himself when Satan directly attacked him. The word of God, as it says in the Psalms, was a lamp for his feet and a light for his path. Is the sun setting in America? Well, if it is, it's time to turn on a lamp. The word of God is not merely a handbook for your private piety or to sit on your coffee table and collect dust. It's the very foundation of Western civilization. We've abandoned it. We don't teach it. We don't live it. In every great critical period in American history where this nation conceived in liberty was at a faltering point. It was an awakening and a revival that prepared it for a new birth of freedom. It prepared the colonial Americans for liberty. It taught them the truth of God's redemptive plan and his intervention in history. They knew that God liberated the Hebrews as they were enslaved in Egypt. They studied a republic based on Jethro speaking to Moses to appoint godly men who are not covetous over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Described the struggle of the twelve tribes becoming one nation and they saw the colonies similar to the tribes of Israel. They saw the reigns of David and Solomon were followed by political tyranny. It brought in tribalism and it split the nation. They were all aware of this. Our founders understood They understood that when you reject God, your nation implodes. And so John Adams would say only a moral people can govern a republic. But what happened? How did we get to a place where we're all nervous? Interesting experiment. This aquarium, I thought it fitting. A researcher blocked off a section of the tank with a transparent wall and put fish food in the sealed off section. The fish tried to get to its food but could not. After repeated failed attempts, the fish learned that its nourishment was beyond reach so it stopped trying. At that point, the researcher removed the wall but the fish did not try to get to the food. The researcher added fresh food but the fish had given up trying. It died of starvation. That fish died because it believed the food was inaccessible. You've given up hope. You don't believe that God's word is true. Let every man be a liar, but God's word is true. If God's word's true, then it is going to be a a lamentation. It's going to be a bitter pill to swallow. It'll be difficult for us. It'll be a woe. It will be a time of mourning. Because we're going to have to answer this question when we read his word. Lord, I'm guilty. I participated in a church that said nothing about the babies dying. I was like the, the Christians in Germany who dusted off their cars as, and, the, and dusted the ashes off their cars to drive to church. 
I, I didn't ask questions. I didn't demand that to be on the forefront. I devalued human life. Just as a nation had to come to terms that they would declare another human being less than human because of the content of melanin. The church had to come to terms with that. It was a bitter pill to swallow. It was mournful. It was woeful. It was sorrowful. Lord, how did we get here? Lord, we were more impressed with our buildings than we were with truth. We were more impressed with the climbing walls for our kids and the smoke than we were with standing fearless in the face of evil. We were more concerned with being liked than we were with standing in defense for the voiceless and the defenseless. Folks are insulted and threatened by that and they're angry that I'm saying it. And I just, it doesn't, you're not angry with me. You can't read the scriptures and come with a justification other than a lamentation. We got here because we don't value human life. We got here because we allowed our children to be indoctrinated and not educated. We got here because we don't take God at his word that we're stewards of their life and we're to give an accounting of them. That faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We abdicated that. We got here with that. We own it. And, and I'm, I'm guiltier than all of you. I was on the plane. I was struggling. I had to process this. I'm guilty too. Your guys are going, well, I didn't come here for that. I want sunshine. <laughs> There's hope. I thought you came for hope. You want sunshine? There's plenty of places you can go for sunshine. You want hope that's real? His word. That fish died because it believed the lie. That plexiglass has been placed in front of you. You, you can't do anything. We, we own this generation. We own all the political affiliates. We have dominion. We, we have it all. You're helpless. You, you try to march, we'll silence you. We'll beat you. We'll relegate you to obscurity. We'll make fun of you. We'll mark you, we'll tag you, we'll threaten you. And you're scared. Daniel stood in the lion's den. The teeth, it's interesting, they roar, but lions lose their taste for flesh when you stand where God calls you to stand. Daniel was no longer afraid. He wasn't paralyzed by deception. He was feeding upon the truth of God's word. The rest of us, even though the plexiglass has been removed by the truth of God's word, it remains true. We're starving and dying and we're hopeless. What if the researcher could tell the fish that the wall had been removed? What if the fish was a spiritual being with free will? What if it could choose to believe a word that contradicted its earlier experience? In that case, the fish might have survived. Communication and belief matter. Revelation generates hope and effort. At times, believing what you were told means the difference between life and death. You have a free will. The only way they, the only way they possess you, the only way they enslave you, is by fear. You think the plexiglass is real. 
You think God isn't greater than their deception and their lies, that they've exchanged a truth for a lie, that somehow they, they're greater than God. You're asking if there's hope. There's hope. One man and God constitutes a majority. This nation was founded with one in nine Americans fighting in the Revolutionary War against a nation that had defeated the second greatest nation on the face of the earth. They were dying of dysentery in Valley Forge. They had already inoculated themselves to smallpox and 5% of their population were predicted to die. And that wasn't even in defense of liberty. They had inoculated themselves knowing 5% of them would die for just the opportunity to fight to secure liberty. And now we've enjoyed it for 244 years and we're paralyzed at Thanksgiving because we're afraid of a virus that has a one one hundredth of 1% chance of dying in our county. And we allow tyranny to silence our holy week and to shut down our thanksgiving to God. And they, they watch us on this, this live stream and they take copious notes. And they want to frighten you. Look at me now. I'm not afraid of you. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. There's nothing you can do to me. Nothing. They, they threaten you with the loss of things. I've already given those away. Take them all. The ultimate threat is your life. And they're going to take it piece by piece. What part do you want first? But the worst is death. My dear friend's mother passed away. They said at 922, my mother went to be with the Lord I said, your mother didn't die at 922. She began to truly live. You're threatening me with life. I'm not afraid of you. The issue is not whether there is hope for the West, but whether the West has the humiliation to return to revelation. Whether it can recover the faith that generates hope. You're afraid. Secular universities have blocked the West from truth. Consequently, it assumes that man is merely biology and that there is no one out there who cares enough to reveal saving truth. Is man nothing more than a fish without purpose, dignity, or responsibility? Is free will fiction? Is God real? Can you stand? Is one man and God constitute a majority? Has God declared that he hasn't given you a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind? Is there hope? Yes, there is, and he's a God who stands strong and shows himself strong on behalf of those who seek him. No weapon fashioned against you will stand. Nothing, no one, ever. You stand upon truth and the lions lose their taste for human flesh. Stand, don't be afraid. Yes, there's hope when the fear dissipates. You want to know if America will survive as the sun set. This nation was conceived, I tire of these bugs. This nation, I'm not speaking to the county officials. This nation was conceived unlike any other. 
the belief in the immortality of the soul was a huge factor behind the West's respect for the inalienable rights of every individual. Individual liberty meant respecting individual conscience and not sending dissenters into concentration camps. This respect came out of the belief that there will be a final judgment. Therefore, individuals ought to have liberty to live by their conscience. Before the law, every witness must first swear to tell the truth. It was customary for them to do so in this nation with their hand on the Bible. Why was this word so important? What is life? Biology tells us that at its root, life is information, DNA. What is word? It's information. What is faith? Believing that information. Jesus said that God's word is the seed that blossoms into eternal life when combined with our faith. There's a problem though. The children of Israel forgot that word. This word that the Lord spoke to us in John. He said, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word... And believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. And for as the Father has life in himself so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him the authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which... All who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. But there was a time and a season when the Israelites forgot God's word and that plexiglass was placed in their lives and they believed and exchanged the truth for a lie And they allowed themselves to be subjugated and they fell into tribalism and they longed for things more than God. They wanted their name on buildings. The churches no longer needed pastors. They needed dentists because the church was inundated with plaque disease because everyone wanted their name on a plaque. (laughs) And we supported those churches. And as the tribalism and the compromise to truth began to wane, the nation began to implode. And he punished their intellectual and moral and religious political corruption by destroying their nation. Israel and Judah on August 14th, 586, God destroyed his own temple and Jerusalem, sending his chosen people into exile into Babylon. You see... The Jews at that point thought that the sun had finally set and they had no hope for their nation's resurrection. And this is when Jeremiah wrote these words. And I think you often think this. I know I have. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she who is great among the nations. The princes among the provinces has become a slave They've become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest and her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to to set the feasts. Thanksgivings are shut down. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh and are silent. She is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master. Dominion. Her enemies prosper. 
For the Lord has afflicted her because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy. They believe this junk. They've been indoctrinated. We send them off to Stanford and they come back. They've forgotten everything that they learned in church. We paid for it. Out of pride, we wanted the name Stanford so our fellow community members would be impressed with us while we sacrificed our children on the altar of indoctrination. In the days of her affliction and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all of her pleasant things that she had in the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy with no one to help her. The adversary saw her and mocked her at her downfall. Jerusalem has sinned gravely and therefore she has become vile. And they're taking a list of the names. Fascinating. And all who honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness and yet she sighs and turns away. Her collapse is awesome. She has no comforter. Oh Lord, behold my affliction for the enemy is exalted. The adversary has spread his hand. For she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary and those whom you commanded not to enter your assembly. All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their valuables for food to restore life and hyperinflation. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am scorned. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Behold and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted in the day of his fierce anger. From above he has sent fire into my bones and it overpowered them and he has spread a net out for my feet and turned me back and has made me desolate and faint all day. The yoke of my transgression was bound and they were woven together by his hands and thrust upon my neck and he made my strength fail. And the Lord delivered me into the hands of those who I'm not able to withstand. For these things I weep and my eye overflows with water because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. The Lord commanded concerning Jacob that those around him become his adversaries and Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, for I rebelled against his commandment. Hear now all peoples and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. Our kids are owned. See, O Lord, that I am in distress. My soul is troubled. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious outside the sword bereaves. At home it is like death. They have heard that a sigh, they have heard that I sigh, but no one comforts me and all my enemies have heard of my trouble and they are glad that you have done it. Bring on the day that you have announced that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you and do to them as you have done to me. For all my transgressions, my sighs are many and my heart is faint. I share that because Ezekiel came to this understanding and the intensity of it all that the Lord doesn't overlook what we're responsible for. Their tribes had lost faith in their scriptures. They'd lost hope. They had disappeared from the canvas of history. Those that kept their faith alive became the model for the present state of Israel. And after destroying Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar took the prophet Ezekiel to Babylon as captive. And Ezekiel's people were like the fish in the tank. They believed that their nation was dead and that they were dry bones with no future. 
Ezekiel sought God, which is what we should all be doing. He took the lamentations and the woe and he internalized it and he said, if there be any evil way in me, God, I acknowledge my wrong. Lord, we have lived content in the midst of evil. We've been more impressed with a church that entertains. We've been impressed with what our hands have built. The church has never owned more property and been more impotent. We've never had more radio stations and been more ineffective. More seminaries, more concerts. And we look at this vision and we ask God, can these bones live? Is there hope? That's why you're here. God says, I will pour my spirit on you. You will live. You agree with me that this needs to go and, and I will give you life. This great awakening and the opening of the scrolls where they revisited the word of God transformed the nation and, and this man Cyrus, which many Jews call Trump Cyrus, fascinatingly enough, the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy and Israel's great awakening began with this Persian emperor, Cyrus the Great. He conquered Babylon and came face to face with Daniel's knowledge of God and his obedience to faith. They told him he couldn't pray. He not only prayed, he opened the window so everyone could see him pray. Come and get me, is what he said. It resulted that he was placed in the lion's den. He was thrown into the den of lions. His miraculous deliverance resulted in the king issuing his revolutionary decree, his proclamation in 538. Look at the red. Cyrus says after he sees the boldness of Daniel, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build a house in Jerusalem which is in Judah, however, is among you all of his people. May the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. He basically stated to Daniel, I can't stop you. You have faith. You're afraid of nothing. Even the lions fear you because the God of the universe has ordained that you operate in obedience. And when you do, nothing seems to be able to stop you. Is there hope? Yes. The hope is, remove the plexiglass. Quit listening to the lies and embrace the truth, the word of God. It's the same thing that through the first great awakening started the American Revolution with Jeremiah Lanfear in 1857 brought us into the Civil War if we're going to survive and have a new birth of freedom, it will require that we once again embrace the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. This began the fulfillment after 
After Cyrus spoke, this began the fulfillment that Isaiah wrote of in Isaiah 60. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting life, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also your people shall be all be righteous, and they shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. It's kind of a precious picture. It's what God wants to do with all of you this morning. He wants to minister to each and every one of you. Peter says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love and of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corrupt seed, but incorruptible. Though through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flowers of the grass, as the grass withers and the flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. I share this with you because I'll conclude with this. Two eggs. Same color, same size. Neither is boiled nor rotten. One is fertilized, one is not. One will become rotten or an omelet and the other will become a chicken. Seriously, like the Lord of the Flies is trying to. (laughs) One will become rotten or an omelet and the other will become a chicken. It will be born again. The word of God is information. The word is life because the Bible says that God created the universe from his spoken word. Yahior wach, Yahior, light be, light was. He made an astounding claim about the relationship of words to life when he said, as I read earlier, this picture out of John. The difference between the two is one has been fertilized. It will be incubated. It will turn into a chicken. You don't know which is which. But one has life forming in it. The other is death. It will be reborn into something more glorious. It will become like its parents. What does it mean when you say an egg has been fertilized? It's become a zygote. It has received certain information encoded in some of the chemicals. And because of that information that has been encoded, that information will determine its gender, its color, and size, its every cell and organ, as well as most of its traits. At its core, life is information. Biological information is encoded in DNA. Our minds, our souls, information is encapsulated in words. There are only two genders, by the way, but we've allowed the truth to be exchanged for a lie. The truth is, those who receive God's word receive God's eternal life. The Bible says that. If you confess with your tongue, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you'll be raised from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
Once we receive and believe God's word, it begins transforming our souls into God's likeness. We're born again. Spiritually, to be a new creature in Christ. As I read in the epistle, 1 Peter, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. God's going to cause you to come alive today. And with this means you have hope. You are unstoppable. You have been created in his image. There's no weapon fashioned against you that will stand. There will be no fear in your future. His word is true. You can can take it to the bank. It's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. You'll be competent and equipped for every good work. That's the power of God's word that we as a nation have abandoned. We no longer teach our children. We've allowed the lie. And now we're scared. And we're watching the sun set. And how do you change that? You turn on the lamp, the light of God's word. I, I, I can't oversimplify that enough. And is that that word, word takes residence in your heart. You're a new creature in Christ, and the old is past and the new has come, but it will begin as it did with me, and no one has had to deal with this message more painfully than I have. I don't, I don't like being in the spotlight. I don't like people coming up and saying anything. I don't want my life examined. God forbid, I know who I am. I, I don't even like living with me. And the Lord looks and he just says, are you mournful? Do you understand the woes? Do you understand that life has to be done in accordance with what I desire? If there's to be life, if there's to be hope, if there's to be courage, this will require that you decrease, that God would increase. It's those moments as I'm trying to formulate what I'm supposed to say in front of people. Lord, pick somebody else. I mean it. He says, why? Because I don't want to be examined. I love my sin more than I love you. Well, that's got to go, Rob. Because that's enslaved generations. We've loved our comfort. We've loved ourselves. We love things. We've loved everything but God. We haven't sacrificed our lives for the sake of the next generation. And the Lord appeals to my heart and he speaks to me and he says, Rob, let it go. All that does is bring death. The nation that your, 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 your forebears fought for. This, is, this could be your finest hour. You don't have to be afraid. I, I own your past and I own your future. I've already known it. it. It's against me and me alone that you've sinned. Just acknowledge it. 
and let me have it. And I said, that's a bitter pill to swallow. But I said, okay, Lord. And in honesty before God, I was blessed to realize that he's always merciful. And that word, when it was spoken into the crevices of the darkness of my heart, brought sweetness. It brought life. It took away my fear. It brought courage. I don't care what happens to me anymore. I'm living for the generations to come. It's no longer about me. I've already died. And now I've begun to truly live. The plexiglass is gone. His word feeds my soul. I'm not afraid. There's a sunrise in my life. You may be wondering if there's hope, if the sun's setting, but I know it hasn't. I'm alive and I've never been more alive than I am now. And I'm living for what is true. And you want an awakening? You want a new birth of freedom? It doesn't begin anywhere else but with you. Who is Lord of your life? Are you ready to take his word and allow it to reveal and you agree with him and you can with lamentation and woe and sadness say Lord I'm that man I'm the one who contributed to the fall of this generation And now, Lord, with my acknowledgement, if I give that to you as a bitter pill to swallow, would you make it sweet and bring life? Would you bring resurrection? And the beautiful thing about the word of God is he conceives in you life and you become a new creature in Christ. Forgetting what is behind, striving for what is ahead, and nothing can stop you. That's the word of God. The hope is there. The courage is there. The power is there. The sun is rising. But if you're afraid and there's no hope, what God do you serve? What are you reading? What plexiglass has been placed in front of you that you can't realize that the the word is the bread of life? Why are your children afraid? We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It's time for the body of Christ to awaken to the truth of God. The plexiglass is removed. Our God is alive. And you and I are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I close with this. You are here for the first time because you are afraid. And praise the Lord, you're here. 
and you've struggled with hope, and you, you, you want to know the data, and you want to know if the lawyers are going to succeed. You want to know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania and Atlanta, and I can tell you right now what's going to happen. One day, you will breathe your last breath of air and inhale your first breath in eternity, and you will stand before God, and he will say, I gave you what was necessary and was prepared to equip you, and I removed the plexiglass so that you could be that beacon of truth in a generation that needed to awaken to the liberties that would set the captives free. And it was presented to you, and did you receive it? Did you ingest it? Did it become yours? Are you a new creature in Christ? Did you conceive liberty in your heart when the word was given to you? And that word is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. He says, if you believe in your heart, you confess You speak that word that Jesus is Lord. You're saved. And as a lifeguard, I know what that means. I know that people are drowning. They don't believe it. I have to watch them suffer a little longer. And then in panic, they they believe what I have to say. But I've known all along. I was a lifeguard, yes. I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) And then when they reach out in an understanding, they're saved. There's hope today for every American. And it's found in throwing off the shackles of fear and embracing the courage and the strength of truth and the knowledge that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, and that comes by a relationship with Jesus Christ. You must agree with him. Lord, I'm a sinner. And I have to tell you in this room, I am the greatest sinner. But I also know a secret. I may be the chief of sinners, but I've found a secret. I have found the greatest Savior. I have found the greatest Savior. And here we go. Amen. All right. (laughs) We'll let you preach it next. I'll leave you with this the food is waiting. And I give to you the bread of life, Jesus Christ. He says, come unto me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I will fill your soul. I will satisfy. I will give you life and life more abundant. I'll exchange your fear for faith and I'll give you courage. I'll give you hope. But you have to take me at my word and you have to agree with me to see things the way I see it and agree to live for my purposes because you're on my earth breathing my air and drinking my water and it's about time you live by my rules and he's a good God, he's not capricious he wants you to excel but it requires faith you have to receive him and I did this in the first two services and the response was courageous and brave because there are folks that have already braved all the lies out there and they came here and this was an easy step for them But if you have never embraced the Lord as your Savior, and today you want to say, I no longer want to walk in fear. I know there's hope, and that hope is found in no other name but Jesus Christ. He is the Word. He is truth. He is life. I want to be enveloped in strength and courage. I want to abandon fear, and I want to stand for what is right. And if that is you, I want you right now to stand up in faith. Just give your heart to the Lord and courage. Just stand up. Stand up. God bless you. Amen. Amen. You're not afraid. God bless you. That's what it takes. That is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. This is courage, folks. Look at it. This is what will transform a nation. 
No one and nothing can stop you. If God is for you, there's nothing fashioned against you that will stand. This is the hope for the nation. It is the sunrise and it's the hope. Lord, we thank you for those who've given their heart to you and who have stood in boldness, that courage given to, to them by you, Lord. They realize that in them has been conceived a new life, that they're a new creature in Christ. They've accepted your word, that information, that DNA that has made them fearless. They no longer operate in hopelessness. They've embraced the truth, and the truth has set them free. That truth that birthed this nation, that truth that sustained this nation through a civil war, and that truth that will allow another awakening and a rebirth of freedom upon this land. It's these men and women who have stood. This is the call. And so, God, with this awakening and this revival, we thank you for those who've given their heart to you. Your word says that one person gives their heart to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. And so together, Lord, this day we stand and we rejoice with these angels for those who've given their heart to the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up. Bless them. God bless you all.